Ah, yes, people. Welcome back to Chima Chat's Foot. Can you can you believe that we are here in mid-June already? I really hope everyone is having a wonderful summer. I wanted to chat about the European Championships. I wanted to do a quick whip around and share some of my thoughts um, just on the game we saw today and, you know, the game I also watched on Friday and just a couple of interesting pieces of that tournament. I think we've been all a bit football starved ever since the English Premier League wrapped up. And I know for a fact um, we are going to get into some fun things now. Um, first of all, welcome back to the first. Welcome to the first time listeners. Welcome back to all of the members who are riding with us through this football journey. Um, I think it would be a good place to start England versus Croatia. And I think it's it's if you've listened to any of the podcasts, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Gareth Southgate. I think that he lacks ideas. I think that he's a very conservative manager. And I just, I really, I don't mind him as a person. I think he does well on the human human side of things. And I think that matters, especially for an international squad of superstars from various leagues. But Gareth Southgate just doesn't fill me with confidence that he, I mean, like a Jurgen Klopp does, like Alex Ferguson does, like Pep does, like Mourinho does. He just doesn't feel, he, those people feel like managers, Ancelotti, those people feel like managers, you know, and you want to run through a brick wall for them. Maybe it's his temperament. Maybe it's the fact that, you know, he doesn't make uh, that many out of the norm claims or bold statements. Um, he's fairly even keel all the time. Maybe that contributes to it. But I really haven't seen anything from Gareth Southgate to indicate that tactically he's on the level to do much of anything. So anyways... In full disclosure, I was only able to watch the second half of the game. Um, it was nil-nil the first half, so I'm assuming we didn't miss too much. Um, I felt like England was doing what they always did at tournaments. Pick a team that is... It's never a settled England eleven. It's never a settled England team, right? There's always anger around the omissions. I mean, you all heard me rant about Trent Alexander-Arnold and how he deserves to be in the squad. Well... You know, there are people who reasonably and, you know, non-biased, non-trolls will say, I don't believe he should be in the squad. I believe Reese James should be in over him. Or I be and reasonable discussions can be had. But that's just England in a nutshell. And think about when they played Gerrard and Lampard together in midfield, right? It was just like two great players, skulls in the left wing. Just England squads have disappointed in major tournaments since I've been alive, to be honest. And while I'm not English... Obviously, being an English Premier League fan, a lot of the players that I know and I'm familiar with play for England. So if not Nigeria, I'll root for England. Anyways, I'm happy for Raheem Sterling, man. I'm happy for him to get that goal scored. Um, it was a scrappy goal. It wasn't tiki-taka by any means. It wasn't what you would call beautiful football, but it was a goal. And for someone like Raheem Sterling, who... Man, he faces the pressure of being a black footballer. He faces the pressure of being a young, rich person. He faces a lot of different pressures, especially in England. And he's had a bad season this year. So all those things were, I'm sure, on his shoulders. And he's from that area in North London, maybe like five, ten minutes away from right there. So a lot of things on his mind, I'm sure. You know, he gets the goal, and I'm very, very happy for him. He's clearly a very well-liked, well-respected figure in the squad. Um Calvin Phillips was incredible, man. This guy, I think I think that England has a very, very promising young midfield. And while we're on the subject of midfields, you look at the difference between 
Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice, um, between Luka Modric, Kovacic. It just felt like the Croatia team didn't have the legs. It felt like they just didn't have the, the, the requisite energy levels to keep that up. You know, the first half, it, w- it wasn't exactly uh, fireworks in a little bit that I did see. But as the second half wore on, I think that that goal, which came off a Croatian mistake, it just finished Croatia because now you have to chase the game. And they had a few uh, pops here and there, but they were never really deadly. They were never really um, threatening a goal, in my opinion. I almost felt like they they just couldn't get that extra bit of gas. They subbed three, four players on. It seemed like it seems like their coach was looking and reaching for it, but they were never able to attain that. So um, Jude Bellingham, we have to talk about Jude Bellingham. This kid is incredible. Jude Bellingham is an absolutely incredible footballer. I mean, the kid is really just like, I mean, he's 17. He's already starting for Dortmund. I mean, but can we take a minute and talk about Borussia Dortmund's youth policy? I mean, they know how to get the best youngsters and they say, look, you can come here and you can play here for two years. We're going to play in the Champions League most of the time. We're going to be competitive in the Bundesliga. You might even beat Bayern, even though nobody beats Bayern in Germany. Long story. Don't mention it. They have turned Jude Bellingham. I would say now, if you want to come and buy Jude Bellingham, you need to have at least 60 million pounds already. He's a 17-year-old. So he came on late, and I thought that he was awesome. He was incredible. He's maybe 30 seconds on the pitch. He's already bouncing into a tackle. You know, he's already trying to set England on the front foot with a through ball. I really, really enjoyed Jude Bellingham's game, and I think that he plays like he plays He's so mature. You know, I saw a picture of him and Hendo and I was like, he's right, lad. Go ahead and go ahead and talk to Hendo and he'll tell you how to run a midfield, you know. But I thought he was fantastic. English defense, uh, it's still kind of ropey, to be honest. John Stones has um, a John Stones moment in him. And I'm not a huge fan of Harry Maguire, but I do think England will be absolutely much better when Harry Maguire is back on the pitch. Um, he is by far and away England England's best defender and I guess that tells you a state about the English defense or the, the the state of the English defense as a whole um but I thought that I can't believe Jack Grealish is not in the squad like can some someone tell me how Jack Grealish is not in this team I I for one do not understand that I saw him warming up maybe like, you know, the 53rd or 54th minute, whenever that was, maybe like five or 10 minutes before Raheem Sterling scored. Um, and he was he I thought he was going to come on when when um, before Raheem Sterling scored, Gareth Southgate started to panic a little bit. Oh, yeah, go warm up. And it's like Jack Grealish is comfortably the best attacking player England have besides Harry Kane. So. Th- that if you ask me why I, I mistrust Gareth Southgate and I don't believe he has the minerals to do it, it's because of that. It's because of leaving Trent out of the team. And he does do some good things, right? But you're going to bring on Marcus Rashford? I mean, I guess, like, I don't know. It, it, he, it's just a bunch of confusing decisions. It doesn't feel like a cohesive unit, but they got the one. So let me let me, let me me lay off them. Um I'm looking at Kovacic. I'm looking at Luka Modric. You know, I'm looking at these really, really good midfield players, Luka Modric especially. And he, he, I, I think that Father Time is finally catching up with what is ha- what has been one of the best midfielders in the world over the past five years or so. Um, they just didn't have the legs. Even Ko- Kovacic was probably the best of maybe the best player on Croatia's team as far as taking responsibility, getting the ball trying to pass it in between lines. I've always liked him. He's a very good player. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, great win for England. I mean, believe it, I'm about to drop some trivia on you all. And I know, right? You came for football, you get trivia as well. Incredible. This is England, the, the Three Lions. This is their first win of an opening game of a senior European championship, European tournament. Yeah, that's crazy. So here comes Garrett Southgate. And granted, it's a scruffy 1-0, right? This isn't a, a virtuoso performance, but... This is a, a listen, a dub is a dub. Three points, you know, in this group that essentially puts one foot in the next knockout stage. So keep winning, keep advancing. That's the name of the game. Um, as far as some of the other games, I watched Italy versus Turkey, and it was a classic Italian performance. They literally just sat back there till about 58 minutes. They score and they set up shop. You know, that game was nil-nil until um, maybe like the 60th minute. And then all of a sudden it ends 3-0. You know, it's a, you, know you don't get the ball back. It's like Spain. At, at the height of those that Spain team that won the World Cup and the Euros, you just didn't get the ball. So it's like you couldn't do anything because you, you don't have four passes in, in, in continuing sequence to string together. You don't. So um, it, it reminded me of the, the Italian legends of old, Maldini, Nesta, Cannavaro, just really rugged defending. You know, you have Bonucci. And, and one thing about this Italian team is um, the commentator noted that there was there's players from Sassuolo and Atalanta, maybe some of the less uh, big name fashionable clubs in Italy. And obviously Insigne is, is, is always incredible. Um, Verratti to come on in that midfield. It's just it. People say Italy is a dark horse, but I'm like, they're the old masters of the tournament. Them in Germany. Right. Germany could very, very easily, you know, I mean, you got someone like Manuel Neuer, who's I mean, Manuel Neuer is just, you know, he's won everything. I feel like the the descendant of Oliver Kahn, you know, the legendary goalkeepers. Um, it's it's crazy because they have Serge Gnabry. Right. They have Leroy Sané. They have um, Thomas Muller. Goretzka. Joshua Kimmich. Right. Germany has some players. They have ballers on that team, but they're being discounted. I don't really buy into the whole it's, it's coming home to England thing. I'm like, England, I don't know if enough of those players have winning mentality in that team, right? That's what Italy and Germany have. They have winning mentality. They're used to winning and they know what it takes. So we'll see. We'll see what happens next. I think that that Italian performance kind of was just a shot across the bow. Like, don't forget about us. You know, we've won it all. You know, we have a winning, it's called, it's football. Jose Mourinho will say, Eritage. You know what I'm saying? Football DNA, right? Is it in your DNA to win trophies and perform under pressure? England's trying to write it into their DNA, but it's never been there. It's been in Italy's, it's been in Germany, it's been in France. You know, um, you, you go over to a team like Belgium, Lukaku's playing well, you know, but Belgium is, again, that perpetual underperformer. Belgium is that talented, it's the talented kid that you grew up with who was always really, really good, but could never um, reach that next step of whatever sport they were playing for whatever reason. You know, you have Lukaku, you have um, Yuri Tielemans, you have Thorgan Hazard, you know, you have so many good players on this Belgium team, Kevin De Bruyne, right? Don't forget about him. But can you put it all together and can you become a winning cohesive unit? Because I'll tell you what, that France team, France has enough players to make three starting 11s, three deep. They, they could all start somewhere else, you know, so it's going to be an exciting Euros. You know, I'm not counting out Spain, but 
I don't know if they have enough young players in attack. But again, Spain has won it all. So they know how to win. And you can't discount a nation like that. It's going to be exciting, people. I wanted to touch in and, and give you my, my thoughts on the Euros. Um, I'd love, you know, on my sneaky Liverpool tip to, hey, 50 million for Jude Bellingham because he's easily going to be one of the best. I'm calling it now. He's going to be one of the best midfielders that the league has seen in, 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 in our time in the next five, 10 years. I really do think he has that potential. Absolutely electric when he came on. Um, he, he really combines a lot. He reminds me of a young Steven Gerrard. Getting in there, getting stuck in, tackling, aggression, precision, passing, um, vision. He's re- he's a very very exciting prospect. So this was your the first episode of Euro Tripping, you know, where we talk about just football generally. Uh, the European Championships. We'll be doing this. Normally we talk about Liverpool. We talk about uh, the greatest club in the world. But this is just about football. This is about me. This is about you. This is about Chima Chat's foot. First episode of Euro Trip and signing off. I want to thank everybody for staying. Um, if, if, if you've listened past this 13 minutes and eight seconds, we're best friends. So I appreciate uh, the support. I appreciate all the members. I appreciate um, everyone helping me get things going behind the scenes. But uh, more Euro Tripping to come, more action, more fire more fire more fire i promise okay everyone be good thank you so much be safe take care i'll see you next time for the next round of fixtures on chima chat's foot euro tripping peace